Hey everybody, welcome to Renewing the Center. Today we're going to be looking in the Anglican Lectionary, Gospel reading actually, John 12. Um, this is a very memorable passage of scripture where Jesus is anointed uh, by Mary at Bethany. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. And Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought this so that it might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I ask you to give us wisdom to look into your word. God, I pray that you would speak to us in such a way that we can hear your invitation today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this story is um, one of my favorites in the gospel. It has four primary players, uh, Jesus, Martha, Mary, and Judas actually features in this story. So here's the scene. Um, first, Jesus is the guest of honor at a dinner party. And I love this because it's likely that this was a party thrown by the entire community to honor Jesus. He, he just brought Lazarus back from the dead. And so I want you to think of Bethany as a, a little hamlet, a village where uh, everybody would have known Lazarus. And now this formerly dead man is sitting at the table with Jesus eating. So I personally uh, would have wanted to be at this dinner party just to get a look at Lazarus. Uh, people were giving Thanksgiving, offering Thanksgiving to Jesus for bringing Lazarus back. Um, beautiful. Um, such a powerful idea that people would be willing to say thank you. Uh, it it reminds me of my own life that uh, I have an opportunity to turn back to God when he works in my life and say thank you to offer him thanks. The Lord loves Thanksgiving. I think Jesus loved to be the guest of honor at this party. And so Lazarus is there, Martha is there, Mary is there, and the community is there. And we see, I think, the second big thing to hold in this passage is that Martha, one of the siblings, serves the guests. And from reading the Gospel of John, it becomes very clear that Martha's gift is hospitality and service. I mean, here she is again. She's serving. Um, that's her role among the three siblings whenever they gather, it seems like. I read someone recently, a scholar, who commented that Martha ministered to the humanity of Jesus by meeting his practical needs. And that's just something really beautiful about that. There have been people who've actually vilified Martha for serving, but I, I think it's really important for us to hear this. The only time Jesus rebukes Martha was not because she was serving, but because her attitude toward her sister Mary was harsh and judgmental. Um, in that moment, Martha just felt like she was doing all the work. And I, I do think that for those of us who have a gift of service, um, the, the Achilles heel for you might be to feel like you're the one doing all the work. But it's not like you hold that attitude all the time. Uh, Martha had moments of shadow, but generally speaking, she was living in her natural gift. Service and hospitality were her spiritual gifts, and they were honoring to God. And so I just want to say this very clearly. If you are inclined towards service and hospitality, 
don't read Martha as an indictment against that gift, but as a corrective to the threat of a judgmental attitude, a kind of I'm the only one attitude. That we have to reject, not the gift of service and hospitality. The third thing we see in this passage is that while Martha is serving, Mary is pouring perfume. Leslie Newbegin, one of my favorite missiologists, uh, says this. She comes toward forward to perfume to perform a deed which is both the expression of the utmost possible humility, love, and devotion, and a sign, perhaps an unwitting sign, of that which lies before Jesus. So first devotion. She's unhindered in her devotion. She doesn't allow the dinner party and the formality of it to stop this act of extravagance. She uh, is deeply grateful to Jesus for bringing her brother back. And, and I just want to say why maybe that would have been the case for, for Martha and for Mary. Lazarus is their brother, and, and the two of the women as unmarried women, Lazarus was their protector and their provider in a world that did not prize and privilege and prioritize women. And so getting their brother back was not just like a guy they love coming back to the house. It was their means of income, their protection from a world that did not protect women. And so she's deeply grateful and she shows her gratitude. She pours um, costly perfume on Jesus' feet. She worships him. And I was thinking about that worship and, and for Mary, like her worship literally changed the atmosphere in the room. Um, Pouring perfume in a, in a room changes the atmosphere. Uh, the smell of the room is radically altered. I remember being a freshman in college and, and my roommate, uh, Jason, he and I decided we would pour, um, he had received for Christmas a, a big bottle of polo sport um, cologne. And we thought it would be funny to pour that entire bottle uh, divided by two, uh, half of it on him, half of it on me. And then we went to the basketball game uh, where I went to university and we sat in the visitor section. <laughs> we changed the atmosphere in the room. Uh, we plopped down in the midst of a group of people that we did not know. And by uh, the end of the first quarter, there was a space of about 25 feet around us uh, because the smell of the perfume was so strong. Um, Mary changes the atmosphere in the room. She just gives something of immense value to Jesus. Uh, we're told by that Judas said 300 denarii. That, that's almost a year's worth of wage. A denarii would be like a daily wage for a laborer. So 300 denarii, you, you're talking about the better part of a year's worth of wages for a poor person. So she probably was giving a family heirloom to Jesus uh, or something she bought at great cost to herself, something she'd been saving up for. And she just pours it on Jesus. When Leslie Newbegin says, aside from extravagance, that she was likely unwittingly maybe preparing Jesus for his future, you know, anointing with perfume was an act of preparation for a body uh, that was going to be buried to stave off the smell of decay. Mary is basically loving Jesus in a way that costs her something. And that gets me to thinking about my own life. And I think, how often do I render love that is costly? Do I give God something that really matters? I think so often, especially in the West, you know, we live really busy and full lives and we feel like we're pretty leveraged oftentimes. And so often if we give to God or even the people in our lives, people we love, we give them the scraps around the edges. Will Mary 
she teaches us something different. She gives Jesus the very, very best, and she does it in a way that everybody feels, everybody smells. And then she wipes his feet dry with her hair. It's just amazing. Um, in the ancient world, women would never have their hair untied unless they were in grief or unless they were scandalous. Uh, and here she unties her hair and she's doing something profound for Jesus, something that would have caused people around her to take notice. And the house is filled with the smell of the perfume. And when I think about the house being full of the smell of her perfume, it makes me wonder, do the offerings of love and sacrifice that I give to God change the relationships and the environment around me? Here's where worship uh, that we give the Lord is not purely private. I think it's actually a real danger in our modern world is that we tend to think that worship should be purely privatized, like just between you and God. Well, what Mary does here is not purely private. Her love comes from within, but her love manifests in a way that people around her notice. And Judas is not happy. That fourth player in this story is not happy. He judges her. He comments on how expensive the perfume is. What a waste. And then Jesus isn't happy. He says, leave her alone. He says, leave her alone. Something important's happening. And I want to leave you with this quote from N.T. Wright. Bishop of Durham, um, retired bishop in the Church of England, one of my heroes. He says, are you with the cautious, prudent, reliable Judas, as he must have seemed to most of them, looking after the meager resources of a group without steady or settled income, anxious to provide for their needs and still have something left to give to the poor? Put aside your natural inclination to distance yourself from Judas. After all, even at the last moment, none of the other disciples had suspected him of treachery. Can you see just a glimpse of Judas as you look in the mirror? I think it's really important for us to recognize that we know the end of that story with Judas, and yet Judas was probably genuinely worried about their persistence and their survival. And Mary is vulnerable. And Mary's vulnerability becomes an easy target for cynics. I believe the Lord wants you to look at your life, me too, and to consider how we might offer costly sacrifice, worship to him, how we might get beyond just a private, personal thing and worship. And for some of you, it might just mean being more present in worship when you go to church, raising your hands or closing your eyes in a way that maybe a spouse or a friend would would notice and you're not doing it for them you're just getting out of the privatized parts of your head i believe that there's an opportunity for each and every one of us to give to god something or some things of great value um i think that's why giving of tithe and offering is important it's something of value that we render to the church to the lord by giving it to the church it's why giving our time is valuable lending our our gifts um, to causes that are in Jesus name that's why those things count the Lord wants our lives to count I think he wants us to come out of our heads and participate Mary 
She participates courageously, and may you do the same as you step further into this year. God bless you. Go in peace. Mm-hmm.